Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's going on, y'all? Uh, before we get into today's show, uh, this Saturday morning show, the recap of Chicago Bears' loss against the Washington Commanders, uh, the news had just broke Shortly after recording that Carson Wentz suffered a fractured finger on his throwing hand uh, in the team's win against the Chicago Bears. That is reported by Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo. Um, So he's headed to L.A. to see a specialist and to determine the next step. So uh, we don't have that context in this conversation, but obviously it's important to note since we're talking about recording on Saturday morning and um, all that good stuff. So uh, no further comments, no further concerns right now. We're going to go ahead and get right back into the show. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogs Haven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul, Jamal Forrest. You can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell It. Do not forget the you. Um, obviously, this is post game recap, and I'm, I'm glad that we're doing this on a Saturday, Damien, because uh. I, I was telling first of all, Washington wins 12 to 7. They improved to 2 and 4 for whatever that's worth. Um, a win is a win, so I'm not going to discredit the win. But I was telling you before we got on, Damien, if we did this the night of, 
it would have been a very frustrating opinionated show that that really wasn't going to provide any benefit to, to, to anybody listening to us um because it was just another it was a it was another ugly game um and it's and it's still even on saturday i don't think we can get away from the fact that it's that it's that it was an ugly game so first and foremost how you feeling but then secondly we can go ahead and get your opening thoughts on the game as well i'm doing well man over here in texas been uh interviewing like crazy and everything like that bro for you know all, all these jobs and stuff like that so doing uh doing well in terms of that as far as the commies i don't know man <laughs> this game this game was crazy bro. It, it was it was crazy um i lost a couple of followers because i just couldn't stop saying how awful the commanders looked um their offense in particular um i do like the the heavy dose of brian robinson i think you can kind of tell he's clearly the best running back on the roster uh, I don't know if you give Antonio Gibson 17 carries that he comes up with 60 yards. Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of vision was required from Brian Robinson. Um, and, you know, a lot of times with bell cow running backs, if they're not able to kind of break, uh, you know, those one, two yard gains, eventually they'll kind of start to really wear down on the defense. And I think you kind of start to saw that or kind of started to see that rather. Um, I think for me, man, I don't know what's going on with, Washington's offense why it continues to look awful but it's bad bro it's bad and I don't know I don't know what the fix really is because I still think although Washington won they're still not doing enough in terms of the second and third level of the passing game there's so many screens I don't have the numbers in front of me uh if I I I wish I did but I, I would bet Washington's had they've had to have run the most pass plays behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, they've they've have to. They have just no confidence in Wentz, uh, and Wentz doesn't really have much confidence in what's you know in front of him. So, oh man, it's it was another shaky week for the offense, man. Uh, it, it absolutely was, and and for all all this worth, and I'm gonna circle back because I want to start on the offense. But for all this worth, in, in terms of what we're talking about with with the offense, the defense caught some breaks. Now they did play, they did stand up tall in the red zone, and we can't discredit them for for that. Uh, but and, and to hold to, to hold Chicago to over three in the red zone, um, I think that's a, a really good testament to their resilience throughout the throughout the course of a game for them to get driven on three times to get into the red zone, uh, and then obviously hold tall. But um, that's that's a, another discussion within itself because. Um, at the end of the day, Damien, when you're, I, you you can't do that every single week, <laughs> you can't no, hold a team over no. <laughs> three in the red zone every single week. You're going up against a bad team if you can't score one point in the red zone. But uh, I, I want to start on offense as well. I think the the best thing that you mentioned was how I mean, just generally how the running game looked all together. But what was frustrating for a lot of people, including Ron Rivera, uh, was the fact that you know Brian Robinson, while he he did have a, a heavy dosage throughout this game and and i did anticipate brian robinson getting uh the amount of attention that he did in terms of the carries i think he had uh 17 yeah 17 carries on the day like you said i i, I had suggested it has to be a minimum of 15 carries for brian robinson in a game in which chicago really struggles against the run especially outside the tackles um and uh they 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 did use brian but unfortunately i also said that there has to be around 15 carries for the, the rest of the running backs too, um, around that number. And Antonio Gibson only got five. J.D. McKissick got two. Um, Terry McLaurin had two handoffs, one in which he fumbled uh, on a reverse. But ultimately, 
you didn't use Antonio Gibson at all in the first half um, as a ball carrier. All of his carries came in the second half. And um, that is an egregious mistake from Scott Turner. And Ron Rivera said after, so this is Friday, because obviously, like I said to everybody that's listening, we are recording Saturday morning. We were able to hold tight, get some information, hear from the coaches as well. And Ron Rivera said on Friday, the following, quote, unquote, well, I'd like to see, I like to see the mix that we use in the second half. I mean, we got away a little bit from Antonio Gibson, which again, that's something I'm going to put on us as coaches. I've talked with the offensive guys about this, but when we brought Antonio in in the second series, um, I believe it was the second half, which is, he's right. Um, you know, it, we saw a change of pace guy come in and that's, that became a couple of explosives. We became the feet where we featured Antonio, I think about five out of the nine plays on that drive, which he did. I think he had two catches or three catches um, on that drive and, and, and two or three handoffs as well. Um, he had five total touches on that, that second drive. Um, and, and back to the, back to the quote, he said, um, five out of the next nine, that's what we got to do. And all of a sudden they go from getting this guy between the tackles. And now we're getting this guy off tackle. Uh, we're getting around this end. We're getting the guy in, into the routes. And that becomes a little bit, uh, things become a little bit more softer now. And, and ultimately, so that's not the full quote, but Ron Rivera essentially alludes to the fact that we have to use our guys more. We have to be more effective in how we use them. Um, we gotta, we gotta understand that essentially. And and my thing is, Damian, and, and to your point about this offense is, is where I'm getting at. I said pregame that they had to, like the explosives rely it, it, against Chicago. They are outside the tackles <laughs> on on Chicago, mm-hmm. and for a team, now they did utilize Brian Robinson in, in a sense of a couple outside zones, trying to trying to get him outside there, and and it worked on a couple of occasions, um, but. Ultimately, like you didn't use it enough, but not only didn't you use it enough, you didn't even try it with Antonio Gibson in the first half. And 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 when you did use it with Antonio Gibson, I mean, excuse me, J.D. McKissick, he broke one for 15, I believe. Um, And, and that's kind of let me see. Actually, let me see the number. Uh, Where was J.D.'s? Um, I didn't even chart it. I thought I charted it, but uh, let me go to the give me two seconds. Why is my nose running? That's kind of that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, here it goes. So you had Jaden McKissick. Yeah, he popped one for sixteen um, when he ran outside the tackle. So ultimately, I, I think the thing is when it comes to this offense uh, and, and their inability to kind of see, like, for me from a, a an average Joe perspective, and and Scott Turner understanding like what their strengths and weaknesses are well before they get into the Thursday, the, the week of the matchup, like there's for a Thursday game, they're probably scouting two or three weeks out. Damien, like they know this, they know yeah. this stuff well, well better than we do. Um, And, and I think ultimately from the run game, uh, you had some missed opportunities in the first half that could have helped your offense out. But then secondly, uh, from an overall passing standpoint, um, and we're going to dive into it now, Uh, but just, just my point and, and to, to agree with you, um, this ain't even, this ain't even looking like an NFL offense, man. You have regressed from an actual uh, stability standpoint over the last two games, uh, 9% on third down against the Tennessee Titans. And then whatever 2 4 11 was, uh, and, and let me try my let me try my hand at some math right here, cheating on the calculator. So let me see. What is 2 divided by 11? And that is 18%. <laughs> um, so, like, it, it gets no better. Uh, so a team who for for some time was a top ten team in, in third down offense has quickly 
became one of the worst teams in the NFL on third down just off of the last two weeks alone. You're not you're not getting any uh, stabilizing drives. You're not even really approaching the red zone. I think what they had what one red zone trip um, against the yeah against the Bears, and that one red zone trip was a was a byproduct of a fumble, a fumbled yeah. uh, punt. So it's it's just kind of it's kind of bad, man. And, and obviously Carson Wentz goes under 100 yards, while a lot of people are saying some things about how. You know, it's it's either one or the other in terms of Carson Wentz not finding people. And I've done some film. I, I've been looking at the. I, I'm I'm halfway through the fourth quarter now. So um, while you know it's 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 people saying it's either Carson Wentz or the offensive line, it's a combination of a lot of things. Like it's it's a whole bunch of things. And you have uh, Curtis Samuel uh, dropping two passes on one drive, one in which should have been a touchdown um, over the middle. Uh, Carson Wentz had out of the one. <laughs> One play where he's recognizing and reading things well in that first half, that abysmal first half, he recognizes the the the, the late safety rotation into from from a single high safety to a, to a split safety, leaving the middle of the field wide open. You have Curtis Samuel on a linebacker, and he drops a dime, <laughs> and and Curtis Samuel has an issue tracking the ball, a slight issue tracking the ball, which forces his hand at the catch point. He don't know how to approach it. Uh, but ultimately, he drops it when it should have even been a walk-in touchdown. He shouldn't even be diving for the football. Like, there's so many different reasons why this offense has been inept uh, from a coordinator standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, and then from his receivers not being to help him out. Damien, I'm I'm with you 100%. This offense is not looking like an NFL offense right now. Yeah, and it's pretty shocking, too, because I feel like they have an abundance of talent, and they just don't know how to win with him like it's it's crazy I, I, a tweet that i kind of let let off in that first half was where's antonio gibson because although brian robinson is the better running back um gibson i feel would still be a, you know a good weapon in the passing game and even as kind of a, a change of pace guy um, i still think washington does need uh, someone with some juice uh, i think they need someone with a second or third gear i don't think gibson provides that or uh, neither does brian robinson and I think we kind of saw that with JD. You saw you you mentioned how JD with his you know one carry outside the tackles goes for 16. He's the one running back that has some serious juice with the ball in his hands. And I think Washington really really needs that. Uh, I like the idea of getting McLaurin the ball uh, even on you know little reverses and stuff like that. But I'm sorry, he only had four targets. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I I, I don't know, man. I I don't know what's up with with Wentz and Turner and the and the connection there, but. It's it, you're right. It's not an NFL offense, and it's not sustainable, man. You're you're not gonna win games th- when you can't throw the football. Like you really can't throw the football, especially at the second level, the third level. I know uh, Scott Turner likes to borrow a lot of like those those uh, those West Coast you know kind of concepts and stuff like that. Um, but it, like, what are you what are you gonna do? Like, the, the, you know, a big the big chunk of your passing game, you know, last year with Heineke wasn't available because he's flat out didn't have the arm to, to do it well Wentz has the arm but there's like no confidence there so a big you know a chunk of your playbook is essentially gone because you can't call these plays and I don't know man and and kind of to your point before I kick it to you again about Wentz missing stuff I'm really curious to see you know in film what they're going to be you know kind of laying on him because there were some very very easy throws uh, that he missed. I know the broadcast was kind of, you know, up in arms with Justin Fields. They should have been the same way with Carson Wentz. Uh, there was one play where Terry's open on a crosser. You get the clear out. It's exactly what the play is essentially drawn up for. 
uh, I, I don't know if you remember the exact play I'm talking about. Jamal. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. I got, yep. And it's the you know exact concept. Everything works to a T. And he opts for, for JD. I don't even know who's defending JD, but JD's nowhere near open compared to Terry. And he just misses him. Uh, there's another play, you know, where, where the Bears, you know, they send some pressure on third down. Uh, and RIP to Dwayne Haskins. But I remember Dwayne Haskins, he had an issue throwing out routes a lot because of his feet. Uh, and his elbow and stuff like that. He had his elbow kind of not really tucked and stuff like that. And uh, when same thing under pressure, man, the mechanics, they look like spilled chili. And <laughs> the ball, yeah, the ball just goes, you know, to the sideline. You know what I'm saying? So um, there's a lot uh, of work. Need to, yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, man. And I hope over these next 10 days, uh, we see an entirely, you know, new offense or at least a foundation for something, man, because this isn't good. Um, yeah, so my thing is, and, and how things have been going with, with that side of the ball, is it's like the, the further they get into the season, the less amount of answers that Scott Turner has for, you know, defenses preparing for him. And, and I think what, what really struck me was that first third down that they faced, play three, third and seven. Um, you know, your quarterback is a sitting duck <laughs> facing the cover zero pressure uh, because, you have three vertical routes and you're sitting your guys in at max protection. And, and obviously while, you know, there's multiple ways to, to face a, a cover zero pressure or a blitz um, for max protection is one of them. But Damien, if you are not, if you're going to sit your guys in, in a max protection and you recognize that there is some, some form of blitz coming. And, 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 and if you're banking on that with a max protection guy, where's your hot route? Where's the guy that's going to break out quickly exactly. or, or where's the, the awareness from either, your coordinator or from your receiver that if I'm getting this off coverage or if I see this, this cornerbacks uh, blitzing late, I'm going to show face uh, three set, three line, three, three yards off the ball on a third and seven. You have your, you have all three of your, you have all three of your receivers running beyond the sticks uh, in a long development play. And now your quarterback is a sitting duck. So that's one example in which while uh, you know, it's, it's really not on the receivers uh, unless because we don't know the rules like maybe it was on somebody to, to recognize that blitzer and then show you know show face but the way they're running it seems as if they're sticking to a scheme like is they're sticking to what they're coached and um that's not on Carson Wentz either because we don't even know if he's able to to, to to fully check out a plays or or call a hot route like I don't know I mean obviously he did it against De'Ami Brown but how many times have he been able to do that throughout the course of a season I just we don't know but that's like the whole structure and the the, the problem the complexity of of what's going on and what's going wrong with this offense. Um, that's the first, that's the first third down. And then you get into other issues where you're talking about that one play with, with Terry on the, on the drag route, you have a soft cover two zone. And, and this is in a, in a two minute, like a four minute situation in your, your second, your second quarter. Uh, you know, his eyes never gets off of JD McKissick. Like literally his eyes never gets off JD McKissick. You have him running, uh, I think what was an angle route, uh, the ball placement was terrible and obviously making a difficult, difficult catch for uh, J.D. McKissick. And obviously he drops it because of the, the, the way the placement was. But then you have Terry open right in front of his face and there's nobody on the other side. Of, excuse me. There's nobody on the other side of him. That's that's going to stop him within the next 10 yards. So now you're talking about a first down conversion. I'm on a drive. I think in which you got zero points. Um, and now you're going to you're going to other plays in which. You know, inaccuracy just truly plagued them. Uh, play seven, you have a second and five where uh, Wentz is inaccuracy on, on, on with J.D. McKissick. You know, you have a Texas route that was really bad. Um, you have a, a pass that's low and behind. 
uh, McKissick on that one. And you're trying to figure out, again, <laughs> what is going on uh, with these guys. And uh, just so so many so many missed opportunities. Uh, J.D. McKissick, another, another play on another third down. Uh, they're sending another coverage pressure or disguise pressure. Um, and, and, and while, you know, Carson Wentz doesn't really have opportunity at the snap to, to really uh, look downfield and, and find a guy, you also have J.D. McKissick wide open in the flat immediately when when he finds out or when when Robert Quinn, the edge rusher, who's usually in on pass plays, he just drops back in coverage. But you have J.D. McKissick wide open right like right next to you. So like recognizing certain things is going to be uh, helpful for uh, helpful for this offense. And I think that the mix in which uh, you have Wentz not being able to find these guys, uh, but also some opportunities in which Wentz does, for example, um, you have. Um, him picking up a, a man pressure pre-snap, but has a, a bad pass to, to J.D. McKissick at the sticks on third and four. That's that's play 19 on the first and 10. Like sometimes you're identifying it and sometimes you're just not hitting it from the mechanical standpoint to spill chili. Like it's a lot of things <laughs> going on. And 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 I think that's kind of what's, what's plaguing these guys. There's no uh, there's no strength or nothing that you can really stand tall on and say, all right, they're doing this well. Um, and, and I guess from the, the inverse of that. I, I did see some signs of life in the run game. Um, and, and we talked about Brian Robinson, but just from the overall structure, how they were able to, you know, manipulate the box with Curtis Samuel um, a lot, uh, really helped these guys out. I mean, Tyler, Tyler Larson being around as well. So um, while there is something where, like, there's a sign of life, um, and even in, in the past game, like, Cole Turner is going to present some opportunities for these guys on the first and second level. Like there's going to be some opportunity uh, for with, with Cole Turner on this field now. I mean, even on the boundary side, like the the towards the sidelines, um, you can use him to stretch the field, and and maybe if if Carson Wentz can start uh, utilizing that tight end more, um, you can you can you can get some opportunity. And and they're trying with with Terry McLaurin, like they're trying to get that ball in his hands. Like the two reverses was a sign of that. He had two screens at the line of scrimmage that you mentioned. They, they use a lot of screens. Like there's so many ways in that they're trying, but it seems as if um, like he's he meaning Scott Turner is only seventy percent there, and and, and and I may be even generous in terms of his the percentage. Like he may be uh, lower than that in terms of trying to figure this thing out completely. Is is never really on one from start to finish. Yeah, and I think that's a good that's a good way to end to wrap up on the offense. I think defensively, I kind of want to touch on it before we uh, start to close up here. Defensively, I'm with you 100 uh, percent that they really had they had an interesting game, man. Uh, the definition of Ben don't break, I think, was really this game <laughs> because yeah, uh, three trips to the red zone, zero points uh, for the Bears. Uh, I, I was I was honestly shocked at. That was 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 surprising to me, um, but they still give up big plays, man. I mean, they give up big plays routinely. Whether whether it was the Pettis touchdown, uh, the last drive of the game, right? They gave up a huge run to Justin Fields. Uh, it's oh man, it's just like they this team just trips over their own feet, man. And um, defensively, I do like how the front four has played thus far. They're number one in the NFL in pressure rate. Uh, you know, by only with only a four man rush which is mm-hmm. great. That's exactly why, um, you know, you draft, you know, f- you know, four guys. And I know they don't have Chase Young right now, but that's exactly why you draft so many players high because Maul, you know, this, the ideal situation for any defense is we can only, we only have to rush four, uh, so we can put seven in coverage. That's ideal for everyone. 
And, uh, you know, they, they have an opportunity to do that. Now, the corners, the, I, I do like how BSJ played. Uh, Kendall Fuller was a little shaky yet, yet again. <laughs> uh, but I'm just really, really curious to see how they begin to improve. Because as we head into kind of, you know, you see you have Green Bay, you have the Giants twice, you have Dallas again, you have Philly. Um, you're going to have, you know, San Francisco. You're going to have all these other teams kind of lined up for you. I'm really curious to see how they can take advantage of some of these matchups. Uh, because some of these games are winnable, but some of these games are going to be facing, you know, gurus offensively that can kind of do some stuff to them. So now we're going to kind of really see what they're made of. I wish this defense would actually have more more momentum as they enter, you know, this kind of next stretch of games. But I'm I'm really curious to see, Jamal, how they're going to look because, oh, man, Ben don't break his work against the Chicago Bears, but I don't think it's going to work against, <laughs> you know, some of the Aaron other Rogers. teams on their schedule. Yeah, Aaron now- Rodgers, exactly. Now, I did say this before the season started, um, and I'm telling everybody now, I and, and I'm going to circle back to the Chicago game, but in terms of Green Bay, I'm going to be honest, everybody, I said before the season that I thought that Washington was going to be able to beat Green Bay. So don't think that I'm changing my tune because they got one win under their belt. I just think that the way – Washington played them last year in regards to their defense. Washington did a really good job for for a majority of the game uh, in which they really didn't have help from the offense. Um, but they did a good job for majority of the game against that Green Bay Packers sticking in there uh, and really giving opportunities for uh, uh, the offense to, to really just put up some points. And, and, and Taylor Heineke had a bad day on the plus side of the field. Um, the offense altogether had a bad day on the plus side of the field. But they seem to really execute well defensively for the most part of that game. And um, now you're getting that same defense having the opportunity uh, not in such a hostile environment. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say you have a home field advantage, but you you have an opportunity in a, in, a, in a less hostile environment to have a same that same opportunity against that same quarterback, against that same team, um, and, and, and try to get a win at home and uh, so I'm saying this right now on a Saturday, October 15th, that I wouldn't be surprised if this is a close game. Um, but that is all I'm going to go there. I, I'm not going to sit here and predict the win. Uh, I'm just sticking by my prediction before the season started and that uh, they'll have another opportunity because it's an, a familiar opponent the very next year that they get to play some. Uh, but in terms of this defense, from a macro standpoint, um, look, you get the, you get the uh, Dallas Cowboys – a team that had Cooper Rush at quarterback. Um, they're not necessarily trying to to really throw bombs all day long or exploit your secondary all day long, and or even try to, like they're just, they're just trying to maintain because they know their defense is really good. And obviously they held they held that 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 Washington offense to ten points uh, and forced two turnovers. Uh, but even still, you give up some big plays, some some really critical plays, some explosives that you talk about, Damien. And then the same thing with Tennessee. Uh, you know they're going to try and run the ball. You get you allow 100 yards on the ground, uh, but you still do really good in terms of your yards per carry, so you really hold it under control. You just know that Derrick Henry's going to get the football. Like, it is what it is. But ultimately, that one big play allowed Tennessee to get that 14, uh, that 21st point, that third touchdown, um, that ultimately be- became the factor for the – or the deciding factor for, for Washington uh, losing that game. Um, or at least giving up the lead, excuse me, to be clear on that one. Um, so you're you're getting these opportunities against teams that aren't necessarily high-powered offenses, and that, that same thing showed its face 
against the Chicago Bears, but this time you're giving up 238 yards on the ground. Um, you you have several missed tackles throughout the day. Um, the, the first play uh, with Justin Fields scrambling outside of the pocket, you have him in the backfield, but you aren't able to wrap him up twice. Um, and then you have Khalid, uh, what's his name? What's that guy's name? Um, Khalil, Khalil Herbert, Herbert. Khalil Herbert, yeah. Yep. He breaks off a 64-yarder, uh, and he, he breaks through uh, two or three missed tackles. I mean, and obviously the steady Eddie guy, David Montgomery, who's a solid running back altogether, and he's their, their bell cow. You know, he just totes up 67 yards on the ground, having a rough day. But ultimately, that's kind of like the 15 carries for 67 yards is more reflective of how good that run defense is. Um, but and obviously still with Khalil Herbert, seven carries, uh, 75 yards, his biggest carry was a 64 yard or so. Um, but even still, the whole point is like those explosives is what's really challenging this defense. And um, you're going up against a, an elite quarterback. You're going up against a top tier running back. Um, it's arguable that he's elite, but you'll have that that challenge again next week. And, and explosives is going to be challenging, but also you're going up against a, a better quarterback. So and, and by by product of that. You're going up against a smarter quarterback who's going to understand your coverages, who's going to test you. You have young guys at cornerback now. You bench William Jackson, um, but your your pass rush is going to be able to have a, another opportunity to save the day. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a huge test, and you're not going to get that Chicago Bears type of team throughout the rest of the season. Maybe Matt Ryan, and that's in two weeks from now, but right now you got the Green Bay Packers. So how do you overcome uh, a situation, or how do you prove that you're not no fluke? in terms of defensively, in terms of your pass rush, being able to get home and really keep your team in the game. Yeah, 100%. I think this game against Green Bay is – I think we're going to get a really good kind of idea of, truthfully, where this team kind of stands. I know they're 2-4 and four right now. I think there's a lot of question marks. Uh, but maybe a win with Green Bay, we can kind of assess kind of where they're headed. A little bit different, not to say they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but I think this is a good game to kind of really – you know, kind of gauge where both sides of the ball are at because this is a playoff team they're going to be facing. They, I mean, on paper, it shouldn't be uh, a blowout, but if they end up getting, you know, dog walked here at the, on, uh, you know, at home, I think tomorrow we're going to have an interesting Sunday post game show. <laughs> let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and close out with, with the last thing, man. Um, Ron Rivera post game. Uh, immediately after the post game, at this point, everybody understands that he stormed out of the, 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 the post game presser. Uh, you know, he, he essentially said that, you know, everything that came out was, was basically BS. Um, he was the one who put in the work for, for Carson Wentz. He was the one that, that studied them during the combine. Uh, the key word that he mentioned was analytics. <laughs> uh, but he, he studied them at the combine in March. He gave the suggestion and, and information and heads up to, to Dan Snyder and Tanya. You know, that's where he was leaning. That's where he was headed. Um, and then says that, you know, what's going on with, with Carson Wentz right now via the media is just not fair to him. Um, what do you make of the the storming out and, um, and, and, and what's, what can we, like, what, I'll just leave it there. Like, I'm not even going to, you know, what do you make of the storming out? How do you, how do you kind of project, you know, where that was, um, in the moment? Yeah, I think it was interesting because I think the word analytics has become a word, uh, that Rivera kind of throws out there to kind of really emphasize like, Hey, I'm doing my homework. Uh, but like as someone that is pretty familiar with the analytics, uh, the analytics don't favor Carson Wentz. Like, so I, I, I thought that was interesting that for him to kind of throw that out there. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's cool that you know he's he's you know defending him out publicly. But it's just kind of it's a weird look after what's been a, a rocky week for Rivera at press conferences and stuff like that. I think it was just kind of, I think that's kind of his way to kind of close out the week and be like, you know what. 
I've already done enough of this. You know, it's been <laughs> it's been a long week, uh, and it's only been four days. So screw it. I'm we're gonna go out with the bang, and then I'll see you guys on Monday, essentially, or you know, kind of as we prep for Green Bay. I know he had a presser on Friday, but uh, that was kind of his way of kind of just closing it out and being like, all right, I'm done with this. So uh, I don't think there was much like substance behind it. You know, truthfully, I really don't. Uh, but at the same time, it is nice to see him defend Wentz after kind of throwing him under the bus. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think, um, and I said this on Trapper Dive post game. Uh, I think it was a lot of performance going on there, um, and, and um, I'm I think so. There's a couple of things like I, I get that you're frustrated, and obviously you just got to win, and and you want to talk about the win, and you want to talk about the good, but you know, you know, you also wouldn't be in this situation had you just explained yourself better on Monday. Like the story coming out on the day of the game, the ESPN story. And, and if you haven't read it to this point, please take the, the two hours to read it. <laughs> it's a long story, uh, but it's it's worth it. And it encapsulates a lot of, excuse me, not a lot. It, it encapsulates everything from 2020 up until, you know, current day, new regime type of thing. And um, but but back to the point, you know, you, you say what you say on Monday. And while I don't think that he was really getting that quarterback, like literally, I, I do think that and everybody knows at this point, you threw him under the bus to when you're trying to make a larger point. You didn't have to. Um, so you're facing what you're facing because of you, in a sense. And uh, I think there is a better way to handle it. I understand that you're frustrated, but um, the, the theatrics in a sense of like getting so animated post game and and getting into your rant and then also calling off the pressure. Um, it's, it's, I'm not saying like the, the ill intent was, was that, um, I didn't want to, I don't want to talk to you all anymore, but I do think, uh, if you reasonably thought about, uh, you know, the situation that you're currently in, uh, I think that you can answer that question and then just keep it pushing. Um, nobody really needs to continue to defend Carson Wentz publicly like that, especially when you had an opportunity to not, throw him under the bus <laughs> on Monday. Yeah. Um, so, so I just think that ultimately uh, you just have to have some situational awareness and, and know that, you know, they're asking that question partially because you were the one who initiated the conversation uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, but, but what that means, I, I think it's, it's obviously saying that the, the passion and, and, and frustration, it's a heavy mix. Um, if people want to, you know, give them credit and say, that's what we wanted all along, you know, kudos to you or, or respect to you. Um, I respect your opinion, but, Ultimately, um, this is something where, like, you you just have to understand and, and have the the awareness that you know you are where you are because of what you've done and what you said. Um, and, and we don't have to rehash, you know, the the Monday comments because you know it is what it is. But uh, I think post game moving forward as well, like, you just have to shrug it off like Carson shrugs it off. He really, genuinely does not care about that outside noise, and he's shown that to this point. Um, so there's no need to really uh like defend him to the level in which you do and, and that's kind of where uh i can i can say my my piece on the matter in, in terms of his post game pressure yeah absolutely man and i think this is gonna be this is gonna be interesting bro they got 10 days to you know get ready for green bay and if they come out with another flat performance right there's gonna be <laughs> if there aren't questions already there's gonna be a whole lot more so yes I, and that's <laughs> yeah and that's the thing man because like 12 of 22, 99 yards at the end of the day. Like I like I said before, we, or like we both said before uh, we got into the whole the whole game, like it wasn't just Carson who had a bad day in terms of why he couldn't get over 100 yards. But even if he had some big plays that were made, 
um, you're still talking about an under 200 yard performance in a, in a terrible, a terrible outing in a sense. So, um, I, like you said, he's, he's feeling the pressure. He almost even mentioned that he was about to get fired, like, or that there was talks about him losing his job and he, and he held his tongue at the right moment. Um, but everybody knew what he was about to say. So like, he's, he's feeling the pressure, man. He's feeling the pressure about his job. He's feeling the pressure about his quarterback, um, getting real defensive, but it, it's going to be very interesting. So you hope, uh, for the grace of God, <laughs> uh, everybody involved that, you know, they can they can take these 10 days to really come together and and and, and have a, a beautiful game plan to execute that game plan uh to perfection against the green bay Packers, david yeah man uh, I, I think yeah go ahead a, you got it that was gonna say i think it's a, i think this is a good stopping point as well because man i, I you i don't even want to talk about green bay right now man i'm already yeah. in my head i'm like jamal i'm, I'm expecting the worst man like Lil Wayne's just prepared for the worst, but still praying for the best. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, I'm already prepared for the worst, brother. <laughs> I'm prepared yeah. for the worst. <laughs> Look, I, I know people probably heard me uh heard me talk about, you know, the chances of Green Green Bay and turn that side at uh, I'm just I'm just sticking it to, to what I know and how they played last year. Uh but yeah, I, we ain't gonna we ain't gonna we ain't gonna talk about it until the time comes. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.